Hello and welcome to Explaining Brazil, a podcast by the Brazilian Report. This week our topic is innovation in Brazil, and I'm joined by Xavier Leclerc, a former Google and Facebook employee who is now behind Rio.Futuro, a conference to connect companies, professionals, and academics around the topic of innovation and digital transformation in Brazil. Xavier is based in Rio, but has joined us at our studios in Sao Paulo. Thanks for being here, Xavier. Thank you for the invitation. Xavier, every year, three prestigious institutions, Cornell University, INSEAD, and the World Intellectual Property Organization, publish the Global Innovation Index. Essentially, it, for those who don't know it, it ranks countries by their capacity for innovating. In 2017, Brazil came in the 69th position, uh, not only behind developed countries, but also behind Latin American countries like Mexico, Costa Rica, Panama, and Uruguay. Uh, despite that, everybody calls us Brazilians one of the most create, creative people in the world. But uh, is creativity enough for innovation? I mean, we are creative, but are we innovative? So this Global Innovation Index that is also backed by Sebarai, uh, we will have someone presented at the conference that we organize in, on the 17th and 18th of May because we believe that you pinpointed a very good question, which is the difference between creative and being innovative. The idea is that it's not just what you want to create that is important, but it's the global environment in which you are operating that is fueling innovation. For instance, uh, I believe that we all know how taxation works in Brazil, how complicated it is, and this is definitely uh, impeding innovation or newcomers, and this Global Innovation Index is trying to have a comprehensive view of the global uh, framework in which companies are operating, entrepreneurs, and that is, I believe, part of the reason why the ranking can come as a surprise. Because on the one hand, you see an ecosystem that is booming with a lot of startups, with a lot of incubators, but a lot of companies are facing difficulties in order to, make, to turn that into a true innovation that can be scaled, that can be, for instance, uh, also implemented in other Hey, well, basically in other countries from those companies. And uh, in, you said that uh, taxation factors in a lot to push Brazil down in this ranking. Uh, where are we ranking well? What are we doing right? So uh, uh, not just taxation. Before, before we go to the bright side, let's have a, a, a clear view of what is happening. A lot of human capital is missing also uh, from Brazil, where we see a very skilled workforce. Because, for example, uh, Brazil just joined the top mathematical countries in the world. So it's the 11th country to join this very, very close club. But we tend to see that uh, they lack a lot of uh, gerente-level people, which are people that will be able to... Uh, Man management, uh, qualified exactly. management. Exactly. Another part that is also missing is related to financing. The financing conditions because of high interest rates. Uh, 
for a very long time, it reduced the capital available for investing in innovation. Yet what we see is that in Brazil, we have seen a development very strong of the entrepreneur culture. But 10 years ago, being an entrepreneur, you were a micro entrepreneur because you had to be. So it was badly perceived. Today, we will have the biggest center for incubation of all Latin America that will open with Kubo that is going to expand and credible its size. We also see that we have a lot of uh, research and development capacities, and I think we will talk a little more about that, but how from research and development, which is a very strong uh, strength of Brazil, how we move it for a more research and innovation framework. And I believe that's why in the global innovation framework we see a discrepancy between all that Brazil has for it, so they have a very skilled uh, workforce at the top end, and the capacity to be more innovative, which is cooperative. And uh, so you, you, you raised that question, how to go from research and development to research and innovation, and I ask you that. How do we do that in Brazil right now? Uh, so first The first thing is that we see that there is uh, a global awareness of this issue. For instance, uh, Brazilian is the second nationality of people who attend South by Southwest in Austin. We also see that it's the second nationality of people attending the Singularity University. So we do, uh, we do have the beginning of a consciousness, a global consciousness from the business environment that there are some changes that needs to be implemented. In that sense, for instance, we see a lot of traction for the events that we organized, the Ponto Futuro, which means how technology is creating the future, and they understand that there is something to be understood, and then they need to work. And uh, 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 pardon to barge in, but uh, uh, you mentioned one thing that I find interesting, that Brazilian presence internationally has... Uh, gotten much much stronger lately and um, despite the taxation problems despite uh, educational problems that we have in Brazil that factor in do you think that uh, there's also a problem of perception uh, does Brazil sell its image as a place for innovation well enough because th that can also affect uh, if investors are looking at us or if we just fly under the radar So a lot of people ask me, why did you leave Facebook in France to come live in, uh, uh, start your business in Brazil? I believe that uh, innovation, entrepreneurship is very much related to dealing with big problems. And we can agree that there are some interesting problems to be solved in Brazil. So I believe that a few uh, investment companies figured that out. For instance, last year we invited Yuri Adoni from Jerusalem Venture Partners, who is a very well-known VC company, and they specifically moved and uh, created a partnership with OpenVC in Sao Paulo to find Brazilian initiatives and startups to be taken abroad. So a lot of the time, the innovation that happens in Brazil, because of the sheer size of the market, The perspective is not worldwide, it's very much Brazilian. Mm -hmm. So, of course, like you said, it's very hard for people outside of Brazil to understand that the Brazilian startup 
uh, ecosystem is booming. Yet some people start to figure that out. Uh, when you see the Google campus opening with more than 8,500 uh, applications, which is by far the highest number that Google has seen, it is a proof of that. Do you think that uh, um, we are undergoing a similar thing compared to China, for instance? Because China, during uh, a long time, uh, startup, Chinese startups were created to uh, supply the internal market, and now they're starting to, to get out of their own borders and start to get more global. One example is a Chinese fund that uh, uh, took over 99, which is a, a Uber competitor in Brazil, and became one of the first Brazilian unicorns, startups uh, worth over $1 billion dollars. So, uh, yeah, Digi Shungxing, uh, Alex invested, which makes Novi Novi not a unicorn because it's no longer a startup. So <laughs> it's related. Uh, but yeah, it is, a, it is an, a, a, well, it's a proof that people are starting to look seriously at the Brazilian market. That being said, we should not compare the development and the strategy that has been implemented in China with the strategy or what is happening in Brazil. First, because uh, the, the industrial development of China has been very much state-led, with easy landing, with a lot of initiatives that allowed those companies that move from copying to innovative. 38% of all the patents are already uh, registered in the world today are done in China way ahead the United States. So they have, a uh, they have a will, a very strong will and strategy to invest in innovation, being industrial or being more technological or more digital. What we see in Brazil is that we have a very, very active startup scene, but, and that is at least my opinion, we see that a lot of companies have yet to do their digital transformation, which is first understand what they need to do and start being more cooperative, being more open. If we go back to the difference between R&D and research and innovation, the difference is that uh, you need to be more open. You need to focus on what we call competition, which is being cooperative while being competitors. This is uh, the frenemies, for instance, uh, all those keywords, all those concepts that are being developed. And, uh, for instance, in Rio, we are part of Juntos Pelo Rio, which is together we are stronger. And we tend to see the development not just of the startup scene, but of an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And I believe in that sense, France is a very interesting example of what an ecosystem is. You have all that is related to startups, the technological companies, that will allow for all those change, the academic world and the institutions, including the state, and the companies that need to evolve. And I think that we start, we are at the very early stage in Brazil of seeing the very notion of ecosystem, mm -hmm. uh, well, being developed because we're very much isolated in the startup scene at the time. And do you think uh, comparing Brazil to maybe the US or Europe, uh, the, the impression I have is that we're 
we don't trust each other on the business level. It's, uh, do, do, is that a right assessment or is that culture changing as well? So it is a bit complicated for me to say it because I've only been in Brazil for three years. So I don't have a very clear understanding about that. For sure, there are some cultural specificities on the positive side, because I don't know about what you just said about, but on the positive side, Brazilians tend to be much more open to innovation, to testing, to trying things and to solving, which is a very good sign of how this, for instance, ranking of the Global Innovation Index could change very easily. Uh, the BNDES, so the National Bank of uh, Economic and Social Development, they just released a very interesting white paper called 2035, a developed country. And what they identify in order to uh, foster economic growth and position Brazil as a developed economy, as an innovative economy, is that there are three pillars. The one is uh, Destrava, which is remove the roadblocks to allow for economic development. The second one was Potencia, which is foster on the things that could be working and that could increase the economic growth and the social welfare of the country. And the last one is about transformation, Transforma. So I believe that we do see a lot of initiatives being taken, yet uh, we... I. I don't see, apart from uh, some services that are very good, I don't see it leading the way, uh, internationally speaking. And mm -hmm. in that sense, I believe that the fintech boom is a very good example. Uh, why so? <laughs> because uh, we see a lot of innovation, a lot of new services, because those companies uh, are resolving or offering solutions to true uh, economic issues and problems, yet the financial uh, uh, the financial market here or the fintech market here is very specific to the Brazilian uh, state. Yes, uh, we we talked about this before, but uh, for instance, let me take the Brazilian report as an example. We are a subscription based website, and uh, what works for for instance, PayPal accounts, international PayPal accounts don't work for Brazilian ones because the, the, the financial, the banking system here is very controlled, very closed, uh, to, especially to international transactions. And this is a very good example of what disruption will look like. So the, one of the most famous examples is Shishpe Investimentos, how they managed to provide a solution that was dis truly disruptive we are seeing other uh, services that are very interesting. Newbank being one of the most famous ones because it, it's a unicorn now, I think, f since a month ago or something like that. Congratulations. And it remains a unicorn? Yes, it <laughs> remains a unicorn. Uh, and we see a lot of other initiatives. Uh, I love what they did at Banco Mare, which was a, a bancarization service starting for uh, O Complexo da Mare, which is a, a comunidade, and now is being extended uh, for a the entire a favela, yes, and now is being extended to all Brazil. So I think there's a lot of very interesting things. That being said, I don't know the ability to scale that outside of Brazil. 
Yeah, but 200 million people is already a good market, right? Like you Absolutely. said. <laughs> and uh, I want to go back to something you mentioned, uh, which is the, the, the need to remove the roadblocks. And... Um, There are some initiatives in, in that aspect. One of that is the innovation law, which um, is a framework on uh, intellectual property with uh, trying to, to make it easier for, for companies, for instance, especially uh, since innovation in Brazil is fostered basically in state-owned universities or foundations. It's very complicated for them to hire someone or to buy supplies. They have to go through a very lengthy and uh, very complicated process. So this law tries to make it simpler and tries... Uh, can you? Will that be a game changer in Brazil? Uh, we, we always talked about how the state uh, is, a, is an agent of uh, uh, blocking progress. Will that be the the state doing the the opposite so we are seeing a shift that is very profound between how the world was working and how it is working with the digital uh, revolution i will say we see that territoriality is being challenged so legally speaking and i don't have a legal background but legally speaking When you uh, create a law, you have to write it, you have to get it voted and implemented. When Google changes its algorithm, it's instantly a law in the sense that you have to abide to the new settings, of the new reality of how these services are working. So we definitely see all over the world governments uh, and states trying to catch up with the reality of the changes that are at stake. Why? Because of us. We are using technology every day more, mainly through mobile, but a lot of other things are coming, VR, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality. And I sure believe that having uh, an innovation law uh, in Brazil is a good step. Will it be a game changer? I think it's looking in the right direction. It has to be implemented in each state, so it's a lengthy process. Uh, there are a few roadblocks. We need to remember that Brazil is the, the most closed economy of the G20, so there are still a lot of uh, roadblocks to be removed because... Um, Like you just said, there are a lot of constraints that uh, block investors from investing, for instance, in companies or from people hiring new talents. And all these uh, blocks need to a certain extent be addressed by states and governments. The main issue here is uh, they need to understand what we are talking about. And uh, I remember in my family, has been in politics in France for a very long time, and my father did not use emails when he was a senator. And I told him, well, you can't understand what is happening if you don't even use email. And that's the level of digital acculturation that we tend to face with Uh, local representatives or national representatives. So there is definitely a lot of education to be done in order to help them understand how uh, important and how urgent 
these laws can be. So yes, it is a very good news. And uh, in terms of, let, let's get to some specifics as well. Do you, can you mention uh, some players in the innovation field in Brazil that we should keep our eyes on, that things that uh, companies that could change the way we do things in Brazil or maybe even scale on an international level? So the first thing I noticed arriving here is I've been impressed by how vivid the startup ecosystem is. So there are a lot of innovative startup, innovative companies ranking all over the world inside Brazil. It's quite complicated to, to, to say this is the best case example. Uh, Cargo Chiche which is uh, a Brazilian company based on Sao Paulo that is trying to change the way uh, transport of fresh is being done, has been elected one of the 25 uh, most innovative companies in the world. So, yes, there are a lot of examples. If you look at uh, Logi, how they are managing to resync logistics and especially the last mile delivery, which is... The, uh, the gold uh, uh, the gold goose that everyone has been trying to chase they are providing a very interesting solution and those examples are uh, there are a lot of them in vino which is trying to make Brazilians love wine is uh, meeting tremendous success we also see Banco Mare like I said which is mm-hmm. how to solve a big problem of people that would do that do not have access uh, to the banking system, which is roughly 80 million people just in Brazil. So, yes, there are a lot of initiatives. Uh, it happens in agronegocios, uh, where agriculture is uh, looking very, very strong at how to use automatization and all that is related to the famous uh, f- uh, industry ca- uh, 4.0, which is how to go to the next level of automatization. This is very interesting. And, uh, yes, yeah, agriculture is the second market for startups in Brazil right now. And uh, I also want to uh, enjoy the opportunity to uh, ask you about uh, Rio Futuro. Uh, it's a conference that... Uh, you are organizing to gather on the same place entrepreneurs, uh, professionals, academics, all related to technological transformation, digital transformation and technology. Can you talk uh, to us about uh, a little bit? It's the second edition, right? The first one was last year. Yes. How, how did it go? Uh, well, for us, it went well. <laughs> uh, people who joined uh, liked what we had to offer in the sense that there are already a lot of events dealing with startups, with technology. What we tried to do was based on our experience as a sales director at Facebook. I had to help companies understand what was happening. And our proposal with Ponto Futuro in Rio is to invest two days to, on the one hand, open your mind to all those changes, understand what is at stake, what is happening, the m- big trends, but also, on the other hand, be more uh, operative in the sense that we want to bring solutions, business case. So we are gathering 55 speakers from the uh, innovation ecosystem. So like I said, the startups, the technology companies, the institutions and academic worlds and the companies that are evolving 
transform, being transformed. And we try to gather all those people, so it will be roughly 450 people during two days on the 17th and 18th of May in Rio. And the idea is uh, to discover what we believe has um, a lot of value, which is not content. It's curation. Today, content is available at Google. You just have to look for it. What we try to do is we try to offer our perspective about digital transformation. This year, we will focus on innovate to shape your world. And we make a narrative over the course of, two, of the two days where each speaker is here to um, build the story together that we will tell over the course of those two days. So we will start with. And uh, that's why the format is like not a 40-minute or two-hour speech. It's short uh, conferences, right? Uh, that, that's why you chose this format. So uh, first we mix formats. So it's video interviews, it's uh, speaker, uh, uh, keynotes, uh, roundtables. The reason is very simple. If you're not interested, you will go on your mobile. And that's exactly what we try to avoid. So we, we organized all those curation around four themes to tell a story. That way you, you tend to f stay interested, no, I would say, no matter who the speaker is. Mm -hmm. So we will start uh, talking about society. What are the big changes that push, that force uh, companies to innovate? Uh, in the afternoon, we will look about creativity, which is how to innovate, what the methodology, how to cooperate with startup. All that we just said about moving from PD to uh, research and innovation. Then on Friday morning, we will look at all that needs to be done before innovating. So do you have the right talents? How do you handle your uh, data? Do you have cybersecurity? How to finance it? And we will conclude this, this uh, conference about digital transformation with technology, be thinking that once you know why, how, and if you're ready, now you, let's, uh, let's play with technology, artificial intelligence, what's the reality between blockchain. So, for instance, one of the speakers will talk how to use blockchain without understanding what it is. It, it's funny you mentioned uh, security j just now because... Um, not long ago, I saw a survey with Brazilian CEOs, and uh, it shocked me that uh, cybersecurity is their number one concern, not inflation anymore. And if you know Brazilian's economic history, it's, uh, it's a shocker. And uh, in terms of uh, the speakers, because you said there will be 55 in only two days, can you talk to us about like their profile? It's going to be people from uh, the supermarket chain, Pão de Açúcar, to... Oracle to Kubu, which is a, an incubator. Can you? So the idea is that we try to gather specialists who are legitimate on the issue that they will deal on stage. So it can be Carlos Gradim with the president of the Museum of Art of Rio de Janeiro. We will talk about what it means to be creative, to reinvent itself all the time. We will have someone from the BNDES or Sistema Firjan to talk about how institutions have a key role to play in the ecosystem. We will have uh, Fabio, who is the uh, head of innovation and artificial intelligence for Microsoft in uh, Latin America. So we try to blend the perspectives from people who are very much involved in digital transformation in order to, one, inspire and also show a way 
to for the participants to start doing the digital transformation and uh, our our very idea is that we believe that technology today is so available that there has never been a better time to start being innovative and to benefit from all those changes. And uh, for people who are listening to this podcast and are interested in participating in Rio Futuro, can you tell us uh, the dates, times, and where is it going to take place? And uh, if I want to go to Rio Futuro, which website should I go to? So first, uh, you're all very welcome to join us at Ponto Futuro Rio. It will happen in Rio de Janeiro at the Prodigy Hotel Santos Dumont, which is the hotel that is on the side of the airport with a very nice view of our Marina da Gloria, Pange Asukar, uh, the Christ Redemptor, and, and very, very nice place. And we rented the entire uh, convention center in order to provide an experience where you will do over the course of the two days, so 17th and 18th of May, have some time to open your mind and meet new people. So I invite you to have a look at www.futuro.com slash rio.com Thank you very much, Xavier. Xavier Leclerc uh, used to work on Facebook and for Google. Now he's uh, trying to gather innovative people in Brazil. And uh, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank to all of our listeners. Uh, that's all for this week. And if you like what you heard, please take a few minutes Check our reporting at The Brazilian Report. You can find new pieces on Brazilian politics, economics, and society every day. Our website is brazilian.report. You can also reach us on Twitter. Our handle is at Brazilian Report. This podcast was written by me, Gustavo Ribeiro. See you next week. Thank you very much. Criar meu website.